ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Staz Trishinsky. Staz is the CEO of Instramatic, which provides an end-to-end voice AI platform for managing, measuring, and monetizing conversations between brands and consumers. Hi, Staz. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Gabriella. Uh, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Today, I'd like to cover two different aspects of your business. First, the interactive audio advertisements, and second, the audio feedback. First, interactive audio advertisements. For listeners who might not have encountered these for themselves as a consumer or are otherwise unfamiliar with what they are, what are interactive audio advertisements? So these are ads that talk back. So imagine you're listening to your favorite music streaming app, free version, so no premium subscription. And instead of getting a regular 30-second audio ad, you can hear something like this. Hey, this is your favorite coffee shop. How about getting a hot cup of coffee when you arrive this morning? Let me know if you're interested. And then you can say, yeah, I'd love that. And then the response can be, all right, that's what you need to do, get our app. Or you can say, no, I don't like coffee, leave me alone. All right, sorry about that, we'll try harder next time. And the ability to interact in real time, and it's a spoken conversation, creates a very rich relationship between the brand and the consumer because now consumers can control their ad experience. They can learn more about the products and the offerings that are interest, interesting to them and skip and reduce the ad time about the products that are irrelevant to them. How deep a conversation, how many phrases will it go in the coffee example it's the advertisement poses a question the consumer answers generally a yes no kind of answer and then there is a call to action does it go beyond that or is it how how does that work yes it can go beyond that and the way we go about it is we can connect multiple ads in a single narrative so for example Let's say you heard this coffee shop commercial and you said, uh, no, I don't like coffee. So next time, you can do the the following day or in a week, you can hear something like this. Hey, this is us again. We know you don't like our coffee, but we have 10 flavors of tea. Would you like to try it? And so in a way, for example, being able to learn when, who and why is not interested, brands can come back with a more appropriate target action or, or different message. And at the end of the day, it can help us get less, get fewer repetitive ads. Right. Where do these exist? You mentioned a, a streaming audio platform, or is it mainly that, or are there other platforms where they show up? Yeah, at the moment, it's uh, it's audio apps. So Pandora is a, is a great example of the company who uh, who, who who work with us, and they they've been running voice ads for uh, I think for two years now. Um, then we work with many. Radio groups around the world. We're working with Ghana. This is India's largest music app. Oh, wow. So for someone who's planning their spend, what are your metrics like engagement? Once engaged with click through, call to actions taken, what does it look like? You know what? When we were launching our first campaign, 
uh, you know, I thought to myself, like, if we can only reach 3% voice engagement rate, that would be fabulous given the average click-through rates on mobile ads that are less than 1%, significantly lower mm. than 1%, actually. And then we saw 14, so 1-4. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what we thought. 14, everybody, 14%. That is crazy. And so once they've engaged... What's the, the click-through is pretty, what's the percentage of those who engage where that, what happens next? Right. So we, so first of all, we think that any engagement is great and maybe the most valuable ones in this particular environment is the, the no interest engagement, because that's the very first time the marketer can learn about why, why 99% of people don't click on ads. This is really important. So we accumulate both like interest, no interest. And actually when it comes to no interest, we, we call it 50 shades of no, because there are <laughs> different flavors of no's, right? You can be like, uh, not now and go all the way to using profanity and maybe screaming to being really unhappy about getting that out again. Right. And, uh, these intents, they lead to different, um, decisions. So for example, if somebody said, no, nah, not now, then it's appropriate to get back to that person you know, later. But if somebody's like, you know, like using profanity, then well, first you can respond with a joke just to leverage that emotional environment. You know, it can mm-hmm. be like, does your parents know you talk like that? Do your parents okay. know you talk like that? Yeah. And at the same time, as a market, as a marketer, you can decide, um, well, maybe we shouldn't waste our ad dollars showing the same ads to that person again because obviously he or she is not uh it's not fond right. of Right. So, so much smarter. If consumers have a funny accent or mumble, like my kids mumble all the time and their audio is otherwise not understood, what happens in that situation? Yeah. So if we don't get what uh, what a person is saying, we try to, we try one more time and then we say, Hey, we didn't get you, you know, let's try one more time. Uh, and if it's uh, the same thing again, then we just uh, move on. We don't continue. Right. So it doesn't frustrate the consumer and it, it doesn't waste the time on the on the advertisement. So if somebody decides to have this kind of audio ad, who produces the creative? Is that you? Is that an agency? And who who's the voice? Is that a human or is it an AI? So it's still early days for the industry, even though we have more than, see, definitely more than 100 brands that are using our technology and the number is growing. However, still, it's new. It's, it's new experience for for I think for almost for everybody, hmm. so it's it's a decision tree based experience. Like what what should we respond if this and if that? So at this stage, we're typically involved, but more uh, I would say we rather share best practices. Like I see what, what works best, what doesn't, and then we we work with an agency on um, on the copy because they have their own target action, they have their own strategy, and their own unique voice identity, if you will. Because one brands like to sound edgy others prefer to sound conservative well right i was thinking if if somebody uses profanity how you respond to that is definitely going to vary based on the brand voice um but it also struck me that this is pretty specialized in understanding the efficacy of certain prompts or responses that the guidance that you would offer um so it sounds like the the agency is producing it, but you have a hand in helping to steer how things are done so that you know that you're going to have a certain baseline level of success. Yeah, exactly. And for example, we know that you shouldn't end this intro teaser part 
with nothing but a question. So it should always end with a question. Otherwise, people may, may get confused and not respond. Uh, interesting. Interesting. And I imagine there's also a time. You don't want it to run longer than X number of seconds. We did a, a research last year and we learned that longer intros work better longer I'm, I'm talking about up to 15 seconds because so you set new- it up that this is an audio ad so people know that they're not just zoning out they they you tee it up that way yeah we tell them like hey this is uh, an ad you can speak with so that oh. you know that this is one of those uh but our initial hypothesis was the shorter the better mm. Turned that would be we, my hypothesis as well. Yeah, turned out we were wrong. Huh. And, and the reason for that is when you, when it's just a seven seconds, for example, it's really not enough time to adjust and decide what you want to do. And so it's like seven seconds pass, and then we open microphone expecting an answer. And usually people get a bit confused. Oh, interesting. They need to get their head around. This is, is not a typical advertisement. I'm going to be prompted. I need to respond. And that... Yeah benefit could shift over time if people become more familiar with these kinds of ads. It'd be interesting to see that over time, how that changed or if it didn't change. Uh, What is interesting is the coffee shop example. And it just seems like a real opportunity for hyper hyper local targeting. Is, Is that part of what you do or is it more national? Yeah, it's national at this point. Uh, again, because it's early days uh, mm. for the industry, I think the moment we see all the major players uh, opening their inventory for voice ads, that's when it'll make more sense to go to, to do very narrow targeting. Well, I was just thinking, you know, if you knew where somebody geographically was, you could point them in the direction of, hey, you want a cup of coffee? There's a Starbucks two doors down, Ooh. you know, that kind of thing. But it, yeah, um, Star- Starbucks is a great example because this is a, a national company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a global company. But like Joe's Coffee wouldn't be a great. Right. Uh, right. Although it, down the road, maybe it sounds yeah, like well, down the road, maybe. Of, of course, especially when voice assistant platforms uh, open their platforms <sighs> for. Yes. Time. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. If you ask, oh, that's that's interesting. Really interesting. Now on to topic number two. In addition to the conversational ads, you're also a provider of voice powered feedback, which is so exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, this is this is what you know. Some companies call like a stealth product because uh, we, we haven't been talking about it publicly. <laughs> And, uh, except now you are, but anyway. Except now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is you can't find any information on our website right now, uh, but it's going to be there soon. So we, when we were discussing voice ads with brands, we kept getting this feedback, which is how can we have a longer conversation? How, I mean, four or five seconds, quick response is great, but how can we listen, for example, up to a minute, maybe two minutes? Because mm-hmm our consumers probably have a lot to say and we want to listen to them. We want to hear what they have to say. Right. And that um, evolved into this product, which we call voice feedback. And eventually it's a voice, it's voice enabled web page where customers and users can uh, just send an audio message directly to a brand. So the way it works is, for example, staying at a hotel and uh, you see this QR code that says, Hey, you know, how can we improve? How's your experience with us today? And you can scan it. It goes to that page where you you, you just see only one button, the microphone button. You mm-hmm. tap on it, and you start recording your thoughts, your advice to this hotel, which can be like, well, you know, everything is great, uh, but 
you really need to improve your breakfast because I have one. <laughs> there are no right. vegan options. There is nothing I can eat. Well, and it's so interesting because you get those horrible forms. You know, how did we do? And it's, you know, eight minutes to fill in all the pieces of this form. And you just think, I'm not going to waste my time. But I wouldn't mind giving feedback if I could say what I felt like saying and just in and out, easy peasy. Um, exactly. You, you want to... You want to talk about what you want to talk and you don't want to spend eight minutes on the relevant on sharing the relevant information in order just to get a chance to get to that uh, box or like open ended question where like, what else can you, do you want to tell us? Well, but one of the things about surveys is often they're structured so that they can create, you know, coherent data that's actionable. Mm-hmm. How how does the client who gets feedback, how does all of this feedback come to them in such a way that it's actionable? What does it, that look like? Uh, that really reminds me of this, uh, I, don't know, I don't know how to call it, classical marketing statement. That is, most companies make it easy to sell and best companies make it easy to buy. So it, it shouldn't be really about what, what's easier for, for a marketer to analyze. Because obviously, if you have everybody sharing their ratings, then you have numbers and it's very easy to compare. But that's not how the world works. Because if you ask somebody about uh, their opinions on any topic, no, like in, I mean, in the real world, nobody's going to put, for example, have you seen this new show on Netflix? If you ask this, your friend, your friend's not going to respond to you. Oh, I think it's four out of five, you know? <laughs> no, they're that, not. That's, that's not how we do it. Yeah, we we want to share details. We want to share emotions, and so I think, and I understand how surveys emerged because that was the technology that that that's what technology allowed us to do uh, mm. in the last couple couple of centuries. Now the technology allows us to take the next step, which is why don't we allow people to say what they want to say, and then on the other side, why don't we use AI to structure the data, find look for patterns. We make them actionable uh, because now if, if, for example, if this is still the hotel example, uh, if, for example, if everybody's complaining about the ice machine that is broken, you know what to do, unlike when you see four out of five. Well, here, so here's a question then. How fast is the turnaround? Because obviously for some of these things, a hotel, the ice machine's broken. I would love to know that really, really quite swiftly. So how often do I receive feedback? Um, well, it depends on how easy it is to send it because you have, for example, QR codes uh, on every floor or maybe even in every room, then it's super easy. Something happens and you immediately want to talk about it. And, and if you see the way to do that, then it's highly likely that you're going to do it. Unlike... Again, if we go back to surveys, people usually get them a couple of days later, sometimes seven days later. Uh, oh, but I mean, but even if it's even if it's the kind of thing where, you know, because as a consumer, I'm thinking, I don't know if I'd actually scan a QR code when I'm in a room. But if somebody sends me something and it's just a click of a button or, you know, this is an audio survey, tell us what you think, click this link and speak into your mic, then I might do that. That seems easy. But there might be something about you know, it was great, but the lock on my door was broken. For instance, let's just say that now that's something I probably would have complained about in person, but, um, you know, how the AI that's busy compiling this stuff, I'm interested in the cycle time between 
you know, how, what's the frequency of reporting into clients about feedback? What's that cycle time? Yeah, it can be as fast as, fast as we get it, you get it. Okay. Uh, but it's sometimes it's relevant for, uh, well, it's not relevant for every kind of uh, client because, for example, if it's a company that gets tens of thousands responses, well, for example, it's a podcast host and, uh, and people that share feedback doesn't share some problem that the, the, the host can fix right now. So mm-hmm. in the case of podcasts, and it really makes more sense to look at the bigger picture, like what are people talking about in general? What's the sentiment about my show, this topic, my, uh, the next guest, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, then to actually get notifications about every single uh, voice response. Unlike in the hotel example, where it's really important to stay on top of things. And if somebody's unhappy, you better make them happy before they start uh, leaving bad reviews from booking.com and other places. Right. So what kind of, re- what does a report look like? Is it a narrative report? Is it a numeric report? What, what is the, um, I'm the client, I have this feedback, you know, let's say I'm, let's say I'm, uh, let's do the two examples. Cause they're sort of different use cases. Let's say I'm a hotel. What does my report look like? And then let's say, I'm a podcast, for example. What's my uh, report look like? Yeah, the approach is that we look for patterns and mm-hmm. uh, patterns in what people are saying. And uh, then we build a report showing that, for example, people from LA typically mention this and they're typically, you know, uh, they, they have positive uh perception of the experience or they have negative perception of the experience then we can also if we see any major i would say deviation from the average the average i mean the average within that report so for example if we notice that women from chicago mention something that no one else mentions then we can emphasize that as well i see i see so it gives you so it it, it helps helps you pinpoint where there might be trends, where things are happening. Given that, how many responses does a needs to happen in order to generate a a report? Well, it makes, I think big picture reporting makes sense when you have more than a hundred. Because if it's, let's say 10, it's really, it's better to read them all. But Mm -hmm. when it's more than a hundred, it's just, it's impossible to read them all. And you really want to get just analytics. And maybe... Uh, read a couple of most uh, important ones. Do the do the clients get the opportunity to read them if they want to get back to that yeah. the original? That's sure. interesting. So consumers are conscious of their data and privacy. How do you handle the privacy aspect of things? We're fully uh, GDPR and CCPA compliant, and um, I think these are the most strict laws when it comes to privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the I, I would say the core. Um, the nature of this loss is that consumers should be able to control their data. What that means if somebody wants to delete what, what a company knows about them, then there, there should be an instrument to do that. So if somebody wants to tell us, Hey, uh, you know, you, I want you to delete uh, everything I mentioned, then yeah, we will do that. But no loss. But how does it, you know, if I am a, I'm a consumer, I've, been served up a a voice 
link, like a prompt to mm-hmm. a voice link. How do I know what the privacy links are? Does it, is there a disclaimer? Is there information? Yep. Okay. So. Yeah. The, the, so there is a link to privacy policy on our website. We have the form to get in touch. Um, and what's, what's great about voice feedback is that by default, it's anonymous product. So we don't have any personal identifiable information about a user. So oh. we just hear, well, it's not even us. It's actually machine just hears a voice and that's it. We don't know your name, where you live, your credit card information, nothing like that. So you don't even have IP addresses linked in there? Well, yeah, we, we get IP address, but then that's not unique to, to a certain user. It's more like it's unique to a location. I see. Right. So um, you've had, you mentioned earlier, the sort of soft launch. You're not going big yet. Um, where currently are you seeing this go and what are your plans? Eventually, this this product and this approach should be used by potentially every company, especially (laughs) every company that has more than 10 clients, because if you have around 10, then it's easier to, to invite them to dinner. Right. Right. Otherwise, and and yeah, and it can, and it may not be of interest to companies that don't care about customer satisfaction feedback. I'm sure there are some like that, Hmm. but if you really care and you, and if you really want to know what's going on in detail, I don't see any other way to do that today. Just right. just to be honest. Right. Well, so let's get into the mechanics a bit for people who are listening. And you know, this as for fun, we're going to stick a, um, a give us some feedback link on the podcast webpage. So please give it a try and click on the link and and share some thoughts. So you, as a user who does click on the link, you will actually see these things. But for listeners who maybe aren't in a position to do that right now. If um, someone signs up and they work with you, so first, where can they put that link? Can they put it anywhere? Can they put it on social? Can they put it on their website? Can they put it on a streaming platform page? Like if you're a podcast and you exist on Spotify, could you put it there? Where can you place this link? Yeah, you can can put it everywhere. You can put it in your emails, in your texts. Uh, messages and push notifications in podcast description in social posts and i think it's really important to to have a clear distinction from let's say comments on social media mm. so comments and reviews uh, are meant to be uh, shared publicly and that affects what people are saying and how they're saying i see so give us your private and this this is a private channel of communication with the company. So it's really, it's all about quality, not just quantity. Because sometimes just one good, like thoughtful one minute feedback can unpack so many improvements for a company. Mm. Unlike a thousand, you know, short comments on Facebook. Right. So it's not a performative thing. This is actually some utility. You're as the brand, you're engaging with your consumer and you really want to know. This is and and it's a wonderful thing if consumers are unhappy because they can really help you make a better product. Um, so yeah, what, what we've learned from our personal experiences is that most people, they don't want to well, when they're unhappy about a service or a product, they don't want to hurt the business. They don't want to. Ah, interesting. To, right. It's a sales decline. And then they but at the same time, they understand that the best way to get reaction is by trashing the company on Twitter which is not right. something that people want to actually do. Right. So that's the world we live in today. Right. So interesting. So, 
okay, now back to the mechanics. I've clicked on the link and it takes me to a audio feedback landing page. Where does that landing page exist? Is that on me, my client? I'm the client. Does it live on my website or does it live on your website? Yes, currently it lives on our website, but it looks like uh, it's customizable. So So it's branded and feels like my my look and feel. Okay. And is it a new window or is it, you know, does it take me to a new window or is it? Yeah, it's a new window. And uh, as a user, you can't do anything there except for sharing your feedback. And then you close the page and you go back to where you were. So interesting. And are you rolling it out? in a particular industry or sector first? That's a good question. Um, (laughs) I think we're all in it just to be, I I think there are a number of good verticals, but we really want to focus on a, on a couple. Uh We're yet to decide which one. So what's happening right now is we're talking to our friends and people we work with about pilots and uh, activations. And then based on that, we'll make a decision. Um, which verticals see more value in it and which less. So if somebody who's listening is interested in participating in a pilot, could they reach out to you via your website information? Yeah. Yeah. They can send us uh, an email to go at instrumatic.com or they can, or they can text me on social, um, any major social network except for TikTok. And uh, yeah. I'm happy to discuss pilot. The one last question is what's the landscape for this kind of audio feedback? Are you, are you the first to plant your flag in this arena? When it comes to feedback, I think so. Honestly, we haven't spent maybe enough time looking for other companies doing that. And the way we, we, we look at things is we as consumers don't see that. Mm-hmm. Hence, then the, there is a need for improvement, and we want right. to do it regardless of anybody else doing that or not. Right. Well, it's great. I think that the feedback element for brands it really can help them, and it's interesting when you think about it being private. That how that changes the nuance of what the consumer is sharing and the you know the nature of the utility. And I think you're right in that there are all sorts of things they maybe wouldn't say on a public forum, but they would say in a private forum. And I, I think it's really interesting. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us about it. And I can't wait to see how this evolves. It's, it's really interesting stuff. Thank you. I'm uh, happy to, to be here today. And uh, it was a great talk. Thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend, Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next. <laughs>